Are these questions going to be hard? Are you going to flum flummox me? Not at all, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Just before we start, just yeah. for my records, it is the yeah. 8th, Tuesday, 8th of September, mm -hmm. day 25 of the trip. And I've been skipped in with Joe Mosley! <laughs> and she just spilled all over tea my everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just get a cloth. Hello and welcome to Extraordinary Ordinary You. My name's Frankie and this is the podcast where I cycle around the UK interviewing folk about their adventurous lives. This season was recorded back in September 2020, as I cycle towards Liverpool and onwards north on my way to Scotland. This is episode nine, where I chat to the incredible Joe Mosley. Joe is someone who I knew before the trip and has been such a huge inspiration throughout. As part of my journey, I cycled along the canals from Liverpool and it was awesome to meet up and connect with Joe in Skipton. And I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I do. So, thank you so much. My pleasure, my pleasure. To start with, mm. for people that don't know you at all, mm. can you just give us a snapshot of who you are and what you do? Okay, um, so my name's Jo Mosley, I'm 55, um, I'm a mum, I have two sons who are 19 and 23, so I'm kind of on that empty nest chapter. Uh, we live on the edge of the Yorkshire Dales, I have a very normal life, a very normal job, and then as well as that I paddleboard and I write about paddleboarding and I make little films and I speak about it and I pick up lots of litter. Awesome, <laughs> that sounds amazing. Can you... Let's start with paddleboarding. Can you okay. tell me more about what you do? So in 2016, I fell and injured my knee. And as part of my kind of process of recovery, uh, a few months later when I could walk without crutches, I decided I wanted to learn to paddleboard because I'd read it was really good for your core stability, your core strength, but no like big impact. So on the 24th of September, 2016, I had my first paddleboard lesson in the Lake District. And I can honestly say the minute I stood up, I loved it. I just felt like Wonder Woman and it was calming and uplifting and, and just beautiful, beautiful. And so, so I started paddleboarding in 2016 and then last summer I paddleboarded coast to coast from Liverpool to Goole, 162 miles along the Leeds-Liverpool Canal and air and colder navigation and I was picking up litter. Amazing. I kind of want to go like start at the start of you getting into paddleboarding. Mm -hmm. And you done like a lot of other sport and a lot of other stuff before it? Really good question. So I had, when I was a little girl, um, was all, always outdoorsy, you know, playing in the waves, trying to skateboard, you know, playing with my brothers, my brother and his friends. But then when I went to school, I wasn't really enamoured with the whole sports setup, you know, basket, uh, basketball, netball and hockey and athletics. They still make me sort of ooh, scary. Um, so I didn't really do much then. And in my 20s, um, I learned to dive. I was fortunate to go to the Philippines, Alaska, I did some kayaking in Alaska, did a bit of outdoorsy stuff uh, at college in America, came home, did more diving. And then sort of once I got 
Oh yeah, and then I went and kind of like led a sort of, not really led anything, just like organized a little expedition in Africa and stuff like that. And then, and then I stopped really doing anything when I was married and, and had children and things like that. So it's kind of like the core of who I am, but for many years I stopped um, until I was about 50-ish really. So for a big chunk of my life, I stopped. So it's very me, but I hadn't done it for a long time. How did you find it getting back into it? It was like coming home. <laughs> yeah, it was coming home. It was, you know, you sort of read, you know, books and things and it talks about when you look at yourself and you realise that this is me. And and I often do that when I come back from the beach, you know, my hair's wet and I'm looking a bit bedraggled and I've got sort of sand under my nails and bits of litter in my pocket. And I'll just kind of spy myself in a window carrying my paddleboard and I'll just go, yeah, this is me. You know, it's the essence of me. It's who I feel most not the most confident because I feel quite confident in my role hopefully as a mum and, and as a daughter and as a friend and all that stuff but doing those things I, it felt like coming home coming home to myself I love that I just got a goosebumps yeah. from that answer <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> yeah yeah it's quite yeah it's lovely it's lovely and how was the journey from having never paddleboarded at all to paddleboarded across the entire country? It was just, it, I mean, I decided ha- having paddleboarded like once, <laughs> I knew that I really would love my own paddleboard. So I was very lucky I got that sort of two or three months later from my Christmas and birthday present, you know, everybody clubbed together sort of thing. And I immediately knew that I wanted to paddleboard coast to coast, which um, is a bit crazy. But when I shared the idea with some people, the I, the response was that uh, it sounded quite boring and that it was quite logistically difficult and that I probably couldn't do it because of my age. And I, looking back, I would only have been 52, 53. So we're not talking, you know, any reason that my age should be a problem. So I put the dream away for, you know, for two, three years, really, but not away away. It was like tucked in the back of my head in a little drawer. And then in January 2019, my son was obviously preparing to go away to university and I realised that I would be a single mum, empty nester and I needed a dream to pull me to the future. So I kind of dusted it off and a lot of things had happened in between that time. Probably most significantly, a number of my girlfriends died and only one of them was 50, you know, and within six months, there was five or five different girlfriends from different areas of my life, not all like really, really close. But there were women that if you met them in the street, you just come away going, oh, I'm really glad I bumped into her. You know, they were just really vibrant and really unique, really, all in different ways, really creative. And one I'd known since I was sort of 17, 18 and others I didn't know that well, but there was something about each of them and they died before they were into that, you know, well into their 50s. And it just made me realise how short and precious life is. And that if you have a chance to do something, you should take it. And so when I sort of dusted this dream off, I just thought, right, this is it. Whatever anyone else says, whether I do it or not, I've got to give it a go. You know, I've just literally got to give it a go because who knows what's around the corner. So that was my plan. And logistically, how hard was it? It was one. It's interesting because... It was logistically hard until I made a decision about the logistics. (laughs) It's like I got all these maps and then I looked at it and then I thought about it. And it was only when I sort of said, right, I just need to make a decision 
all the bit beforehand was all a bit like, ooh. And then once I made the decision, it was like, well, that's the decision. So it then became easier because I'd made the decision. So basically I took the 162 miles and chopped it up. And I knew that I could get a certain amount of time off work and I needed to achieve this by then. And then I said, right, I'm gonna paddleboard 16 miles a day and I need somewhere to stay each, you know, along the route. And then I made a decision and then I kind of put in little places where I could stay. And then a chunk of it was coming through my hometown. So I knew that for four days I wanted to stay at home. So I arranged for my son's, one of my son's friends, she was gonna collect me and take me back to the canal. And then Frit, the filmmaker Frit of Passion Fruit Productions, she messaged me and she said, can I come and film with you? And then that was just like, oh my gosh, amazing. And even though she was, she was the film crew, at times she became crew crew, which is, unexpected but very very much appreciated so yeah the decision making was hard until i made the decision and then once i made the decision it was like okay you just you've done it you've booked it no going back amazing what a turning point and did you have to train for it so i did yeah i had and some of your listeners may may appreciate this i've had two frozen shoulders which basically means you can't put your your arm up so um, my second frozen shoulder was just unfreezing as I made the decision to start doing it in the January. But I knew that paddleboarding would be really good for it. So I sort of just made the decision and thought, right, this is going to get better because I know what will happen with the first, what happened with the first one. So I went to, but then I couldn't run because I had plantar fasciitis, which is like an inflammation of like the heel. And it's just so painful. So I went to kettlebells to strengthen which I loved. I went to yoga, which was really good because I got up and down on the board much more confidently. And then I went to spin cycle, spin, sorry, at 6.15 in the mornings because I could spin, but I couldn't run. Uh, and then I just paddleboarded. So I was I was stronger when I started, but not like ripped, you know. <laughs> you know, if you'd seen me, you would go, oh my lordy, she is an athlete. But I was stronger. But I think I worked a huge amount on like my mental muscle, really. Yeah. What yeah. sort of things did you do for that? So I listened to podcasts and I took a lot of inspiration from four amazing women called the Yorkshire Rose, who in 2014-15 broke tons of records rowing the Atlantic. And they were like in their 40s and 50s. And I've always found them very inspiring. And they did a great podcast uh, with friends of mine called Catherine Meadows, the mother of all movement, her podcast. And one of them, Helen, she said, believing in yourself is your superpower. And I thought, OK, I'm just going to take it from Helen. I'm just going to believe what she says, because I'm not naturally high on self-belief. It's not my natural tendency. My natural tendency is to doubt myself. But I just thought I can either doubt myself the whole way through or I can make a decision to believe in myself. And literally that podcast just was like, yeah, I'm going to believe in myself. So I worked a lot on my self-belief. I worked a lot on visualisation, like what it would feel like. I worked a lot on my sort of affirmations. I would like like be going along or like spin cycle. It spin, I would say spin cycle. It's <laughs> like doing a wash. <laughs> um, or at spin or, you know, just paddleboarding training. And I'd be like, Hi, this is Jim Moodley, and I've just paddleboarded from Liverpool to Ghoul, like in my head, just thinking it through, just thinking it through. Do you do that? I was going to say, do you know what I did before this trip? Every single day, I wrote down these 10 things that were mm. like my goals, yeah. and you write them down as if you've already achieved them. Yeah, exactly. So I wrote down probably about 50 times, yeah. I have cycled the UK. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You just have to get it into your head so that when when you're doing it, you're 
like somebody said, all you, you you're like you're just executing what you yeah. It's like you're doing what you already know you can do, and and I, I am not the most self confident person by any means. But on this thing, there was that core of self belief from the Yorkshire Rose, but also just from seeing my friends not you you know going literally going to funerals and thinking what is your problem joe you're here and you're alive you get to do this and if you don't try you'll never know and if you do not reach it then at least you tried you know the triumph is in the trying as i say um so yeah you tried it so yeah lots of mental stuff and just trying to talk myself down when i got panicky and lay awake and I go oh my god I can't do this why am I doing this why have I put this on Instagram why have I put it on Twitter oh everybody's gonna see I'm a failure and then just talk myself down from it and say it's it's fine it's fine it's fine give it give it a go yeah and what advice would you give to anyone else that was like looking to get into paddleboarding or wanting to go for a big trip paddleboarding I would say try and get a lesson if you could like wait a year, then I'll teach you when I'm an instructor. <laughs> but I would get lessons because there's just simple techniques that will help you. And obviously paddleboarding is still a water sport on water. And so you'd still have to think about the, the safety aspect. So I'd get an, um, a lesson. And if they had an idea for a an adventure, just, just, I know it sounds so easy to say, just do it. But if you can't do a big one, do lots of little ones. And then, you know, build it up just just it is like your adventure muscle that you just need to kind of keep working yeah I love that and right at the start when I started when I asked you sort of to describe yourself overall you also mentioned litter picking Mm -hmm. can you tell us a bit more about that yes I'm very proud to say that I'm a two-minute beach clean ambassador um, which basically means I just kind of try and cheer the whole thing on but I fundraised for the two minute beach clean last year so I fundraised for the wave project which is a surf therapy uh, charity um, and the two minute beach clean and basically what they the charity does is lots of education stuff lots of teaching us how we can you know safely pick up litter but also different single you you know plastic swaps and things like that but uh, what I raised money for was um, these a-frame stations which are placed around the country and they encourage people to go and pick up litter to post it on social media to think about what they're doing so my goal was three and with a bit of collaboration i'm hoping to get four so three the third one is just winging its way to the location and hoping to get four and so yeah so every day i just sort of pick up litter and literally only two minutes a day it doesn't have to be bags and bags the beaches i go to i'm quite lucky when i look at what happens in other beaches we don't have as much but we have a beach clean board there and I see people using, you know, using litter pickers, obviously not through COVID, but using their own litter pickers and it makes a difference. There's a massive difference when the stations are there to the amount of litter that's left. So, yeah, I'm really, I love the two minute beach clean community. They're so kind and so friendly and they're just gentle warriors just trying to make a difference. Awesome. And I actually think it's such a joyful activity. It is. It? it is. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel good because you're gonna if you walk past it, you're just gonna feel bad about it being there. So if you pick it up, and, you know, dispose of it or recycle it, it makes a difference. It's not the answer to the problems of plastic pollution, but it's just, it's like a doorway. And once you do it, you start to think of other things you can do. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. And what does the outdoors mean to you? It's um, it's a place that 
soothingness. <laughs> mm. Soothing. It, you know, it's soothing, it's uplifting, it, it doesn't mind, it doesn't judge you. I mean, obviously, if you're paddleboarding, then the canal isn't going to make it any easier for you. It, it just is, you know. The hill's not going to shrink to your size and your ability. So it just it just is there and doesn't judge you, doesn't expect you to look or be a certain way. I find it really soothing when when my dad was first diagnosed with, with cancer, I did a lot of walking. I do a lot of, you know, when I was first a single mum and the boys would go to their dads, I would spend, you know, my Sundays kind of climbing, climbing the hills and then coming home and, and I just would feel better. You know, I've cried a lot up on the top of the crag and I've laughed a lot and yeah, I think it's a place of of soothingness, but also deeply respectful of the water, deeply respectful of the sea. And when I'm in the sea, I just, you know, it just uplifts and calms me, but incredibly respectful of, of its power and majesty. So, um, yeah, soothing, inspiring, calming, uplifting, and just reminds me that, you know, the tides come in and the tides go out and, you know, all the drama in my life, tomorrow is another day. You know, the sun will rise and the sun will set. So. I love that. And have you ever faced any challenges or barriers to get into the outdoors? Mm, no, no, I'm incredibly privileged, you know, so I don't think I, there are any, well, other than what people have said, like your age, but the barrier was that I believed it, you know, mm -hmm. and that's my internal thing is that that the images of the outdoors are so often quite one dimensional. And that's one of the things that we need to overcome and encourage it to be more diverse that, you know, people that don't see themselves should know that they're still welcome and that yeah. they're more than welcome. And it's there for them too. We just need to show more pictures and have more role models. But no, I don't think I have. I mean, on the canal, I had a few chaps laugh at me and one called me a wimp and one laughed when I told him where I'd come from and it was like yeah any dreams and I was like I just paddleboarded it mate but you know I just sort of looked at him and went yeah when really I wanted to say something but you know there was still that sort of sense oh I shouldn't you know I think now I would talk back actually but you know that sense of it's not necessarily a woman's middle-aged the, the expectation that a middle-aged middle woman should do something that challenging obviously just sort of ruffled a few people. So, not massively, but, you know, enough. <laughs> and since doing your challenge, what have you been up to and what's coming? So, what have I been up to? Well, we're making the film for tonight, which is almost finished. Obviously, we hope that that will, well, that people will find will find it a joyful film and that it will encourage other women to go out in the outdoors, not necessarily to do a massive challenge, but just to go out and enjoy themselves and make them feel like, you know, a tiny adventure is absolutely enough. And, you know, they don't have to do massive things, but just to find the joy. That's really, that's really like on my website, I call myself a joy encourager, midlife adventurer and beach cleaner. And I just want other women to find that joy and confidence and strength and belief in themselves. So we've been doing the film. I've got some ideas for next year from different places to paddleboard. Some really lovely donate donations, locations, like super lovely. And uh, next year I'd like to train to become a paddleboard instructor. So I give talks to the Women's Institute and I've had a few women say to me, Joe, can you come out with me? 
I mean, can we come up with you? Sorry. So I'm going to just do that, not in an instructor capacity, but just take them out because I'm lucky enough. My, my board sponsors have given me some boards so I can just take them out just on the canal, just for them to get a taster of it. And then hopefully next year I can take them out like properly. And so, yeah, and just writing about it, talking about it. And I'm really lucky because originally my plan was to do that trip this year. And then I went to the wonderful, do you know the wonderful wild women? Yeah. So I went to their birthday party and there was an amazing, uh, amazing woman called Claire Pear Dyson, who is the horseback adventurer, who is just a joy. I, I just think she's amazing. And she spent the summer in 2018 on her horse with her dog and they went around the lakes. And she said something in this event, which was like, you think you need loads of time, but actually once you make a decision, you, it's amazing how much stuff you can get done in a short space of time. And I went up to that event thinking, I'm going to do this in June, July 2020 because I need a year to prepare because uh, my son was doing his A-levels and getting all his stuff for university. And my other son was doing his master's and I just didn't think I had time. And literally Claire said that and I went, oh, okay. And I drove home that night listening to Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic Lessons on the podcast. And I went, I think I'm going to move this to January 2019. And literally it was like, that's it. She brought it a year ahead because of what she said. And so I did it a year ahead. And I wouldn't have been probably able to do it now. So I owe Claire a lot, actually. Have I answered your question? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, completely. I went off on a tangent. She's amazing. She is lovely. I really admire her. She really had an impact, and I'm not really sure that I've told her that enough times. So that's really cool. I want to talk a little bit about like your journey through life. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you've always had a clear path or like a clear sense of direction? Uh, no, <laughs> I haven't had any sense of direction. <laughs> no, none at all. I've made so many mistakes. I've gone on so many detours. I'm more of a valley person than a mountain person. As in, I've had more lows than I've had highs. Uh, no, no direction. I just, but I, no, no. <laughs> I had this thing until I was about, oh, I don't know, 45, when I just used to say to myself, you know, when they do those yearbook things, you know, the girl that just didn't fulfil her potential, that's kind of what I thought about myself. And and I'm not saying I have, I know, it's crap, isn't it? Don't make me cry, Frankie. Um, no, I don't think I had all these amazing opportunities and I did some great things and 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 I just never believed in myself enough, never believed I had you know had anything to offer never believed I was strong enough never believed my voice was worthy of anything so no not really followed any path <laughs> but I'm really proud I have you know I've raised two boys I mean I have a dad obviously you know I'm a good daughter I'm a good sister I'm a really good friend I believe I you know work hard in my jobs so in those big things you know I think I've ticked that I hope but in terms of career and, and making a difference, I think I've left that to my 50s. <laughs> making up for it now. I'm making up for it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a story that's probably going to resonate with a lot of people. Yeah. And that, like, there's sometimes in life, I think it's celebrated that you're, like, the youngest person to do something. Yeah, yeah. Or the first person. And actually, 
just because you're not yeah. the youngest doesn't no. mean you shouldn't Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And some of us are late bloomers. I think I'm just a very late bloomer. Um, and so, yeah. And I think if I'd done some of these things when I was younger, I don't think I would have appreciated them as much. You know, sometimes when I was on the canal and I just... Actually, not sometimes. I would say every day at some point, even in the days when I went the wrong way on the canal or even when I just felt a bit down and it wasn't working out, I was never not grateful. You know, I'm never not grateful. I'm never, you know, every time, even if we just go for a picnic up the crag or I go out on my paddleboard or like on Monday morning, I woke up, um, I was at the coast and I literally thought that someone had come and turned the light on in the bedroom. I was like, and it wasn't, it was the sunrise. And it was like six o'clock, but I literally woke up and thought, oh my gosh, somebody turned the light on. And I looked out the window and there was the most beautiful sunrise happening. But I knew that the weather forecast was rubbish because my dad and I had talked about it, you know, oh, I'll check the weather forecast for tomorrow. And so I knew that I had maybe 15, 20 minutes before it was gonna rain. And I'm not a meteorological expert. It was just intuition, actually. But I just sort of felt like this was so spectacular, but I knew that the rain was coming. And I knew that if I put my wetsuit on, I would miss it. And I swim in the sea in the wetsuit because I'm always cold, cold flushes, menopause, always cold. I am wearing four layers now, you know, and it's only September and I'm already chilly. So I knew that I had to get my swimsuit on and just pull my dry robe on and just like run down to the beach if I was going to get in the sea. And it was literally, it was raining. I was like, oh my God, the crowds are coming. Come on, run, run, run. So I ran, run, run, run. And then I ran in the sea and then I was like, oh, run back out. Oh, run back in. Oh, run back out. And my little, you know when you see these little girls and they're, or little boys and girls, and they've got these like podgy little toddler legs and they're all pink. <laughs> I just looked down at my legs and I was like, that's it. I'm the pink toddler now. And I just sort of stood there and then I ducked underneath and was like, oh my God, this is so cold. Because it is cold, the North Sea. But I watched the sunrise and I watched the, you know, the sky was just pink. And I, I, I just thought, I am so cold <laughs> and I am having the best time. And it was like, you know, people talk about meditation and I don't really meditate but I felt like what meditation was like, you know, it was like, this was this, I was in the world so fully and so present and so alone and yet so connected to the sea. And it was like this window of the day, which was mine, you know, nobody, nobody was there. And it was, it was beautiful actually. And then I just like grabbed the towel and put the dry robe on, like, I'm so cold. And gratitude. So I don't think if I'd done any of those things, I would have, when I was younger, I would have been as grateful. Did I answer your question? Yeah, you did really beautifully. <laughs> and it was a beautiful moment. It was so beautiful. And like it came up and my dad was like, have you had your shower? I was like, Dad, I've had my sh I've been for a swim. I mean, it was not a swim. It was a dip. I said, I've, I've, I've been in the water and went, oh, mad. But I knew that, you know, if I'd waited to put my wetsuit on, and A, I would have had to left my wetsuit for my dad to clean because I had to come home. It would have been a pain for my dad. But I knew that if I didn't seize that moment, that I would have just lost something very, very special. Yeah, it was lovely.
It was lovely. Yeah, my dad was just... But then, when my dad and I were looking, I found, I'm like decluttering, and I found all my dive log books. And I took them to show my dad, and he was, and my dad was a diver, and it was really because of him I learned to dive. And, and we were just looking at them, and he started talking about dives he'd done, and he started, he said, do you remember when you did that dive? And it was like 50 meters. I was like, dad, why did I do that? That's just madness. And he was like, yeah, that was a bit mad. But, you know, we chatted and I just was reading these things like 1988. You know, I, I, I dived here and I did it with my mates. And then there was one from September, uh, when was it? 1990? I get confused. 1990, I think it was. And I was on a coral reef in the Philippines and I said, I think I have been to heaven. You know, and that's just extraordinary. So I, I appreciated the massive things then, but would I have appreciated the tiny things? I don't know that I would. I don't know if I would. So I'm glad I'm doing it now because I appreciate every single moment. And how do you think your journey has shaped who you are now? The canal journey or my life journey? Life journey. Life journey. I, oh, um, I think it's that gratitude. I think it, you know, there have been years not just moments years when i didn't think i had much to offer the world there there have been years when i i there was a song i think it was jack johnson jake johnson jack johnson and it's like i know that it's a beautiful world but i can't see it right now you know that song i don't but oh. like i know exactly <laughs> that feeling it's like, i know that it's a beautiful world but i can't feel it right now anyway so I probably got the wrong name and everything, but I just remember listening to that and thinking, I, that is my life. I feel that. I felt like I was, you know, there was a bit of glass between me and the world and, and I knew there was joy out there, but I didn't feel it. And there was all sorts of reasons for that. And then the menopause came along and that sort of crushed me too. So I know what it feels like to be broken. And I know, like many women do, it's not unique to me in any shape or form. And I know what it feels like not to feel you have anything to offer the world. And I know what it feels like to feel like just, you know, a rabbit in the headlights, just, just being scared by life all the time that something's always going to go wrong. And so when I when things go right now, I, again, I think it's that appreciation. I think I just, to feel alive again and to feel like you're part of the world and to feel like that glass that you were under has gone is magical in the everyday. So I feel that. And if I hadn't felt those bad times, you know, it's all that stuff about if you don't know the darkness, you don't see the light. Wish I hadn't gone through those things. It wasn't great, but I did. And so I see the light now and I see the light more because of the darkness I saw before. Ish. And what's one thing that you know about yourself now that you wish you'd known sooner? that I'm braver than I thought. I am braver. I never thought, I don't consider myself massively brave, but what I've learned is that bravery is, is, is just tiny steps and just starting again the next day, literally, you know, and, and being brave enough to say, I want to do something and I might fail, but I still want to try it anyway. So I think I'm braver. Yeah, I, th I think it's funny because I think somewhere along the canal, and I think it was somewhere in the middle of a tunnel, this mile-long tunnel, that I became 
aware that I was braver than I thought. And something happened when I came out that tunnel that I thought I've done. So it's a mile long tunnel and it's quite scary. It's all obviously dark. But I think something happened in that tunnel where I just thought to myself, actually, you're quite brave doing this. And it and it sort of just had a domino effect through the rest of the journey. And, and yeah. Have I answered your question? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep forgetting the question. So I think I just learned that I'm a bit, I'm probably brave. And I know that, uh, what I know is that I believe that a lot of women are, we don't, we don't tell young girls that they're brave and they are brave. We almost tell them that bravery is like a boy's domain, but actually girls are so brave and we need to keep telling them that they're brave because they already are. We don't need to teach them that they're brave. We need to recognize that they're brave. We need to see that bravery in them and just to keep amplifying that bravery and keep celebrating that bravery and saying that being a girl and being brave is absolutely who you can be and who you already are. And we need to stop telling girls that bravery isn't a thing that is part of who they are, because they are. I they don't have to sparkle. God damn it. It <laughs> needs to sparkle the whole time. You need unicorns. You, you know, you are your own heroine. And, and girls, that's, it's about bravery, yeah. And since yeah. that moment in the tunnel, do you feel like that's then impacted your life? outside of paddleboarding yes it has yeah it has i i i'm just braver to ask for things i'm braver to say no to things i think you hear lots of young people saying say yes to this say yes to that and i think the middle-aged mantra is say no to this say no to that you need to say no to things so you can say yes to yourself and like a friend of mine i was talking to her and i said oh this opportunity came out she said jenna remember your nose remember you're working on your nose and i was like Oh yeah, my nose, yeah, I need to talk about no more. No, I'm sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> and it's hard, it's really hard if you're a people pleaser and you sort of want everybody to like you to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. But the more you do it, it the easier it becomes. And I'll pass on that, or I can't do that, I've got to do this, or I want to do this, sorry, I can't do that. And, and so I think it has helped me do that. And by making space on the people pleasing front, other opportunities come and you go, oh yeah, I can do that yeah, I can do that thing that is amazing because I'm not doing all these other things that I didn't really want to do. So yeah, it has made me braver to say no to things and then say yes to other things. That's amazing. And it's like a really interesting answer because I've actually like later on in the questions, I had a whole section on bravery. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, no, it's amazing that it's like come round so yeah. yeah. Hmm. I've been asking everybody about authenticity oh, right. and authentic selves. I feel like for me, my 20s has just been this like roller coaster of trying to be who I am, trying to work out who I yeah. am. Am I actually being who I really am? Yeah. Or, like, who is this person that yeah. I really am? What do you think authenticity and your authentic self means? Oh, thank you. Hard yeah. question. I think it's I think it's being brave enough to show the world who you are and being vulnerable enough to say this is who I am and listening to that voice and and yeah just saying you know this is me and this is who I am and not you know stuff you if you don't like it but 
I'm okay with that and I'm okay. There's a really good, um, I love Glennon Doyle. She's amazing. And she uh, put an Instagram post that said, if you ever find you're talking about me, just say, yeah, but she's just doing her thing. And and I think that's about being authentic. You know, she's just doing her thing. And it's about, like a few years ago when I was like litter picking and beach cleaning and paddleboarding, you know, people would just be a little bit like, yeah. And now everybody wants to litter pick because we all are starting to realize it. Loads of people are interested in paddleboarding, but you know, and it's cool, but I was still doing, I'm not saying I was the first by any means, but I'm just, I was doing it and I was just doing my little thing. And it's such a joy that other people want to do it now because it's like, yeah, you, you understand. It's great. You know, come and join us at whatever pace you're doing it and on whatever way that brings you to life. So it's just doing your own thing and being comfortable doing that thing. And obviously I have responsibilities. I have two sons. I have my dad. You know, I have a job. I have a house. I have, you know, stuff. I have responsibilities for to in my life. But it's also being able to just do my own thing in my own way and not twist myself to fit the world but just say this is the space I take up and you know it's my little space does that make sense completely so yeah yeah just doing your own thing and what do you think happiness feels like sunshine (laughs) see I like joy better than happiness because happiness for me is is predicated on the circumstances whereas joy is the blue sky so happiness is a cloudless day but joy is knowing that even on a cloudy day the blue sky is above and uh, there's a Buddhist I can't say her thick man anyway I'll send you the link and she talks about that she said you know, everything else is just, is, is the clouds, but joy and who you are and who you're being is, is the, is, is the blue sky. And for me, for me, that's where I go. I know that there is joy. So I know that even in difficult times that I have found a way to find joy. But as well as that, I also know that joy is within. And that has been probably the biggest lesson that I've learned over the last five years, that the, the, the joy is within. And what does f- happiness feel? It just feels just like whole, just wholeness. Feels like love, really, I guess. Feels like, you know, just being whole and being you and giving and contributing and feeling at one and... But joy is more to me because even on the days when it's not always going, you know, tickety-boo, I know that, that the blue sky is there. I didn't know the blue sky was there for a long time. I just thought it was a nothingness. But now I know the blue sky is there. I love that. That's awesome. And I usually ask this question earlier on, but okay. I forgot about it. So we're going to, like, scoot back to it. Okay. And then I've got some, like, easier questions. Oh, good. Thanks. So... <laughs> Sometimes in life, you know, like working freelance and like yeah. working seasonally and prioritizing adventure, sometimes I feel like a little bit like I'm trying to go against the grain. Yeah. Is that something that you've ever felt? I think I did in my 20s, yes. And then I just thought, oh, I'll just go with the grain. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, but we didn't have the opportunities. Like we didn't have social media. We didn't have, you know, so we didn't, there are so many ways in which you can live your life now that weren't on offer to us because we didn't have the internet. You know, we didn't have the connectivity. We didn't have the, you know, doing the work from not being in an office. So the opportunities now are greater. So yeah, I, I think then I felt a little bit constrained and I, I felt like I was going against the grain and then I just thought, okay, well, I'll just go with the grain. <laughs> so yeah, I have felt like that. And it's funny because I think in my 50s, do I feel like I'm going, I guess I am in a way going against the grain, but now, but also it doesn't feel like that because I've realized that I'm just forging my own path. And as long as I, you know, look after my responsibilities, and the people I love, then I can do that in whichever way I, I choose to. That's so nice. And maybe that's just it. Maybe it is just about like reminding yourself that what you're doing is yeah. like the reasons why you're doing it. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. And not letting the, you know, the inner critic and the inner voice say that you're not doing it the right way because who determines what the right way is? You know, who determines that? So, yeah, yeah, I have felt, I don't know what it'd be like if I was like 20s, in my 20s now, don't know. I don't know whether I would still feel, or I would use all the opportunities that are available or if I'd feel overwhelmed by the number of choices. That's the thing. We didn't have the choices. You've got so many choices. <laughs> <laughs> just can't make any of them. Yeah. And and you just need to know that you take that path and you take that path and, and you could have taken another one, but you took that one and you and that will take you somewhere. And not everything, you know, most stuff is recoverable from. That, that's such good advice. Mm. So I said the questions get a little bit easier and I think they do, but maybe they don't. <laughs> <laughs> do you see yourself represented? in outdoors media? I, I guess I didn't, which is why I made my own little films. <laughs> and I went to She Stream, uh, and there's a, a film lecturer, professor, filmmaker, amazing woman, Dr. Ruth Farah, and she said something like, if there isn't a seat at the table, create your own table, something like that. And so I didn't see people like me, really. I don't really see that many pick the films about either paddleboarding or litter picking. I must say, it's not a, a wide genre. <laughs> um, so, um, so I just thought, okay, let's make my own. Not, you, you know, obviously the film with Frit is very good. <laughs> the film that I made on my own, not so. But you know, I made them and I showed them, and people cried and they liked them, and a couple won, you know, awards and stuff. So, no, I didn't. So I decided to do what you know Ruth Farah said and sort of create my own and then sort of said well this is the table that we weren't necessarily welcome at so I made my own table so why don't you come and join me at my table and some of the people on the other table can join it's not exclusive it's like just come and do our own thing so no I don't but then I, I'm a brand ambassador for Findra and I think I'm the oldest and I've been a brand ambassador with them for like two or three years now and you know it's a long-term relationship so I see myself and I see it more and more. A few years ago, never really saw it, but I see more diversity coming in, but still it needs to grow. There needs to be more diversity. I only really tick one diversity box, you know, the age thing, everything else I'm very much part of 
you know, not particularly diverse in any way. So no, I don't see it in, in outdoor media-y stuff. And I would hope that that would change. And I hope by people seeing me, it's like that they will be encouraged to see themselves doing things. And do you have any female role models or inspiring women? I mean, you've already mentioned like <laughs> a million different people. Uh, so obviously the Yorkshire Rose, you know, huge, 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 huge. I love Rosie Swale Pope, who's just incredible. She like runs around the world with like a, a sort of pram thing behind her and sleeps in it. She's extraordinary. And, and she is amazing because she talks about gratitude a lot. How lucky, how fortunate. She never talks about how amazing she is. She is just extraordinary. But she talks about the joy and the community and the contribution and her gratitude. And, and I would aspire to have a minuscule of her courage. So she's wonderful. Oh yeah, in terms of paddleboarding, somebody called Carl Major, who is probably my paddleboarding heroine, um, role model. She really encouraged me to so she was at the film festival or at a film festival and uh, again, wonderful wild women. And and I was saying, I'd really like to make films. And she just said, just make a film about something that brings you joy and brings you to life. And so I made my first film about litter picking. So Yorkshire Rose, Rosie, Cal, but you know, so many, so many. You, ah! <laughs> you know, you just did it. Amazing. When I saw you cycling up, I was like, how does she do that? I don't cycle very far each day. Well, more than so. I cycle each day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think there's probably people that commute that cycle further than I do oh. each day. <laughs> hey ho. Um, last question is, what's one piece of advice that you'd give your younger self? My younger self? Yeah. Interesting. I would say you're absolutely enough as you are. You don't need to keep trying to prove that. You just are. And if you could just accept that and get on with looking... If you could just accept you're good enough already, so you don't need to kind of keep proving to the world that you're good enough, you could actually go out and have more fun, more joy, contribute more, give more but gain more. So yeah, I would just say, you're completely, completely, completely enough as you are, and you're good enough, and you're funny enough, and you're brave enough, and you're enough enough. Yeah, and listen to that little voice inside. Love that, thank you so mm. much. Is there anything that you want to talk about or plug that we've not talked about? Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great film. So, um, so yeah, Frit and I are making, well, Frit's making the film, I'm just like in it. Yeah, I just hope that when it comes out that it will be, she's made it into such a charming film and that sounds bland, but it's not. It's, I hope it gives other women, I hope it literally encourages other women to find their joy. And this is a film about your- Paddleboarding trip. Paddle yeah, paddle so trip. it's about the trip that we did last year. But I hope as well, it's a trip about so it's about me, obviously, because I'm in it. But I hope when they see it, that they will put themselves in the film and they might change the paddleboard for a bike or for a pair of running shoes or a hiking shoes or a rowing boat or a kayak. 
that, that I'm just representing their possibilities. It's just me, but I'm not there saying, look, I did this so you can do it because I wouldn't presume to know the circumstances that, or the barriers that they need to overcome. It's not that. But I would hope that when they see it, that they might go away and think, I've got no interest in paddleboarding, but you know, I would quite like to spend an evening watching the sunrise on the top of a, an evening watching the sunrise, <laughs> an evening watching the sunset on the top of a, a crag. Or actually, I would like to try wild swimming, or I would tr like to go on a big bike ride. And that they see themselves in the film, and it becomes something that they can go away and that, and that they can pursue their own joy. That's, that's, that is literally it. I hope it encourages them to feel a bit braver and to pursue their own joy. I love that. Thank you so much. Mm, pleasure. Thank you for giving me your time. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for throwing the tea around. <laughs> <laughs> leaving my mark. Just yeah. leaving my mark. <laughs> I loved chatting to Joe, and I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. At this point in the trip, I took a rest day in Skipton, enjoying the sunshine and drying out, before making my way to Kendall and hitting the lakes. Next week, I'll be speaking to the awesome Jen from Dirtbags, and I can't wait to share her stories. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share the love. You can do this by sending it on to a friend. You can join us over on Instagram, where I have a live every Friday with a different fab guest. And you can also give us a like on Facebook. If you're on Apple, please leave a review. And if you're not on Apple, then send one to me. My DMs are always open. I love hearing from you and passing it on to my guests. And of course, you can help us cover the costs of the podcast over on Patreon. With so much thanks to everyone who is supporting us so far. Until next time, keep on being extraordinary. Extraordinary.